0: Thank you for being here with us. We are so excited to have you. Thanks for joining us today on today's broadcast. Lunch Plus, and Serena's back. I'm back. Serena started her new job this I week, did. so she's been, she's been out. Mm-hmm. But she's back today. And as you're hopping on and commenting, type your name, tell us who you are, where you're watching from. But it's the Crabtree's anniversary today. So happy wish them happy anniversary. anniversary. Thank you. Thank
1: you. I, I found looks- the best smiles. <laughs> All you have to do is show your teeth. (laughs) If you ever want to make a really good awkward smile, just show your teeth. There are some people that that's like their legitimate smile. Mm -hmm. It's just... It's true. And it just makes you uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) Kevin says, Crabtree squared. Mr. Chris is on. He's waving. Holly says, hey. Arabella says, hello. Johnny says, hello. Priscilla says, hi. Kevin was the first one to comment today. Good job, Kevin. He won. Holly (laughs) says, happy anniversary. Pastor has a song that he sings whenever it's an anniversary set. I don't know if I'm not making you do it on the spot right now,
2: but he, like, he'll sing it. it.
3: They may get it later. Aww. See, if I, if I do it right now, then <laughs> I'm giving their present to everybody, and when I give them their present, it's not as special.
2: Well, guys, get right, ready. I'm ready. It, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank
0: you for joining us today. It is going to be a great broadcast. Hello, Julie. I love you very much. Okay, I have a couple questions. I'm very excited that the crab trees are here, and because of it, I picked a question specifically for them. Oh. <laughs> Bum <Bum-ba-da. laughs> I love y'all. Where's the grossest place you've ever had to use the bathroom? <laughs> like, I can imagine. <laughs> how am- is
1: this specifically for because us? Because you guys I, yeah.
0: love the I love bathroom the, conversations. Anytime the, <laughs> they come,
1: they they just <laughs> well, happen um, around. I
3: like the graphic.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I like how you. Is that is Is that
1: a piece of toilet paper yep. on the graphic? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um I, Like, I immediately know the answer for me. Like, it wasn't even something I had to meditate mm. on. The grossest bathroom I've ever been in was in the North Carolina Zoo in Asheboro, North Carolina. And it smelled mm. like what I imagine hell smells like. Like, I walked in, and I'm like, ho, ho, it's bad. And I didn't breathe the whole time I was in the bathroom. Like, that's immediately the answer. Well, Arabella says the woods. Uh, that's, that's, the that's a gross.
1: That's Well, so recently, this isn't the worst. <laughs> I have a worser one, but um, recently, um, we were at a gas station. Recently. On the way back. It was from, like three days ago. From, from yeah, <laughs> it was really recently. On the way back from, from uh, the conference. And. Uh, sorry. No. Um, sorry. And in the ga- I walked. The second I walked into the ba- bathroom, like a heat wave hit me, and it wasn't just like heat. Oh, it no. was like the uh, bathroom. No there there like you could tell like people like were rushing Ugh. to get in and out cuz like i mean
0: Blech.
1: sticky floors so there was a pair of glasses Ew. that i think fell off a guy's face into the trash can and, <laughs> and he just wanted to get out of there like they were just sitting there on the top of the trash it was <laughs> disgusting
2: so what's the worst one then
1: well let's really read this quickly, in another get...
2: minute marky's answer
0: says the car <laughs> <laughs> don't own <ask>. The car <laughs> the car, <laughs> the car. Hey. Hey. I require more information. (laughs) Prilla says, a men's room at a gas station driving back from Texas. The ladies' room was out of order and Joe had to go. It probably
1: was the same gas station, to be (laughs) completely honest. Probably was.
0: Johnny says, in a tent in the desert. Ooh,
1: that does not sound fun.
0: Gross. That just sounds
1: hot. But no, the worst (laughs) one is probably Cuba, because they don't have toilet paper in certain places in Cuba, and the toilets don't flush. So like you have to fill a bucket with water and like dump it in, but since they didn't have toilet paper, we had to learn to adapt. So we would grab, we would take our notebooks, pull, rip out a piece of paper, crumble it up, and like loosen it, it up so it's it, it's not as Get like it
3: oh. not rough.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and that's and there was uh, yeah we couldn't flush that, so we had to carry it around with us. It's not fun. Kevin,
0: anyway, Kevin says Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Back forty. I dug one man. I dug a one man hole where oh. someone else had recently oh. dug. Oh, uh, yuck, yuck, oh, Kevin.
3: Ew. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great
0: military. <laughs> that makes and me so happy. <laughs> and Julie has a Detroit gas station. George says Iraq.
2: I also have a car story. When we were in Africa, and (laughs) And there were no, like, there were no gas stations or anything. Their
1: their, um, rest stops was just a tree. Like, like the sign wouldn't be for, like, bathrooms. It would be, like, a tree. There's a tree, like, a couple kilometers. And there's, like,
2: a bench underneath it. Yeah. But um, right next to those trees, it also says wildlife area, like, stop at your own risk. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, I'm not going to go in the woods and get eaten by a lion. So I tried it in the car, and it was not successful. But also, in Italy, they had... um, Holes, and that was also not successful. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> about that.
0: Ew.
1: Any, well, you're, you're the one who brought up the stopping, yeah, so I this is your fault.
0: I, I didn't realize that people, like I should have, but I didn't realize that there would be the car. Like, Marky and I are going to mm-hmm. have a nice chat after the broadcast because <laughs> I'm super <laughs> interested. Okay, question number two. Bum, Hopefully, not
1: about bathrooms.
0: Da, da, da. What fictional character would be the worst roommate?
2: I know one. Go for it. SpongeBob. All the way. I feel like that's a great answer.
0: He'd be super annoying. He would be an inconvenience. Oh, very Mm -hmm. much so. Yeah.
2: So when Buddy watches SpongeBob, is that exciting for you? I don't think we've watched it since
1: we've been married. married. <laughs> that was, some, that was something I had to lay down at the altar. It was, it was in our vows. I promised to never watch SpongeBob again. Um,
0: Pastor Nicole says she's peeking in during a work call. Happy Aww. anniversary, Crabtree! Thank you, Pastor Nicole. Thor. Why? Yeah.
1: I mean, why?
0: Like I, I, I would
1: feel super protected with, well, you know, with Thor as my roommate.
0: I so I, I want more time to legitimately give to thinking through this answer. Seriously. Immediately, yeah. what popped up was the Hulk <laughs> because if he gets mad, everything's broken in your room all the time, and you just have to replace everything constantly. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Unless you have smart Hulk, and then you're okay. fine. This is true. H- you know, always says Thor. Eeyore, that would be.
0: <laughs>
2: that is true. Would be that
1: would be difficult.
0: I, I felt at times like I have lived with an Eeyore a time or two. I also have felt like I've been Eeyore, so I'm sorry for everyone that has been around Eeyore State. Scooby-Doo would be annoying. I agree.
2: That is true. Slimer.
0: I don't know Slimer because I've never watched Ghostbusters all the way through. Maybe I have. I don't remember.
3: <laughs> George, Bro-Thor was horrible. I thought that was <laughs> quite funny. Was, what's Bro-Thor.
0: Fat Thor. Oh, Fat, fat Thor.
1: Thor. Oh. <laughs> no, I got you. That,
3: so that's what he was thinking. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Can we say fat today because people are so offended by everything?
0: <laughs> JT, <laughs> I'm, I, what?
2: I, I'm just outright
3: F-A-T fat <laughs> Thick Thor. I'm so tired Thick. of this politically correct. Everybody's offended at everything. I am so I like that. Thick it. Thor. Thick. I've been over it for about 20 years, but I'm really over it
0: now.
1: <laughs>
3: Like, Listen, Kevin said Jabba the Hutt.
1: Yes. Oh, that's, that's a that good would be rough.
2: Ooh, yeah. no, Jar Jar Banks would be yes. terrible. Yes,
1: <laughs> we, we've found the answer. So
2: Buddy has been quoting Jar Jar B- Banks quite often. He's still
3: lately. annoying. <laughs> Richard, Richard Moore just sent this to me. He said, it's a meme, and it says, Now that I've lived through an actual plague, I totally understand why Italian Renaissance paintings are full of naked fat people. (laughs) Ew. Ew. Oh my
0: goodness. Mm. Yes. Well, guys, do you have an answer for who you think pastor would be Annoying as a roommate.
3: Um, no, I haven't no. really thought about it. I understand. <laughs> y'all, y'all had all the good ones. So. Amen.
0: <laughs> well, guys, thank you for joining us today. It's going to be a good one. Share the broadcast. Uh-huh. We are about to dive into something awesome, and somebody you know needs to hear what's coming. And Monday. Monday starts our new Lunch Plus schedule. Set your alarms, set your clocks for 11.45 a.m. We are going to be coming out of the gate running, um, and it's going to be awesome. I mean, probably not physically running, but, I mean, we could be. I don't know.
2: know.
3: We're corded, so that would be interesting. That's true. (laughs) We we have (laughs) cords.
0: At some point, there'd be a snapback happening. At some point, it would get really interesting if we're running but it's going to be great. We're really excited about it. We've got a whole bunch of Mm -hmm. awesome content coming for you and the gospel is about to be preached in other nations because Mm -hmm. of this change in format. The Lord's really opened a door, so it's exciting. We hope that you are excited with us and are celebrating with us, and we're just excited to bring you all this awesome stuff that the Lord's given us.
3: But
0: today, we're continuing the man who would be king with Pastor Brian, so share the broadcast. Buckle up! It's going to be awesome.
3: Tell them, tell them quickly. You guys tell them from your perspective, like how the format changed, what it's going to be, and what it means to them, and uh, how they'll it'll be able to be able to be shared with more people because of it. Share that with them.
1: Um, yeah. Well, if if you think about it, we see what we want to do is we want to bring a wide net. You know, um, we're not just throwing one pe- one line in, in attracting one kind of fish. We want to. We like we're called to be fishers of men, and and yeah. so in order to do that, we want to have a wide net to catch all kinds of fish. Mm-hmm. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be adding, you know, we're going to be implementing a bunch of different segments. And by segments, we'll be just doing some some games. We'll just be uh, hanging out. We'll be ha- having some fun. We'll be having some more serious times. Uh, we'll be having some some times of. Uh, I, I'm not going to share what some of the segments are, but. Um, but we'll have some. There'll be not only
3: short segments of some fun and mm-hmm. excitement, but there'll also be some that's just biblical. Yeah. And just, uh, there'll be some growth. There'll be some stuff that'll really feed people mm-hmm. as well. But it'll be these shorter segments where it's easier to flow with, mm-hmm. and then for the hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, but go go ahead. I just that's what you were saying, and yeah. and I was. You were probably holding back because you were like, I don't know you, how, much how, much I how much I can to, say. Tell yeah. them whatever you want to tell them. you, you got freedom, so tell them. tell them the segments. Tell them some of that stuff.
1: All right, yeah, so some of the segments that we're going to be doing, like we'll be having uh, some, some Bible trivia segments where like you can hop on and we'll be just having some fun time doing Bible trivia. We'll have some where we're doing like a Q and A, like these are some of the more spiritual segments, um, like a Q and A, you know, where like you can literally ask us questions and we'll be answering them on air, you know, uh, just, just being able to have that, that time. We'll be having some more fun segments, um, uh, where like we 'll be eating really spicy food and just like just <laughs> random stuff you know we, we, but we just what we want to do is we want to set it up so that people who wouldn 't normally be watching the broadcast if you share it and'll and they 'll and they'll, and they'll see it they 'll be like oh this is this, this is entertaining this is fun and then and then we can turn into a you know one of those spiritual segments where wow now we 're we 're praying for people, and if you need pr- a, have a prayer request and we can, we want to pray for you and take some time to pray for you so like so people who wouldn't normally be watching, you know, just like if we're sitting down service. and yeah, like a church service, um, it, this this will be set up so that we can bring them in, and then when we get to the word, they'll they'll be prepared and they'll like yeah. us enough <laughs> to to where the, like the guards are down yeah. and they'll they'll be willing to receive more from us. So that so you know, having these different segments is it's definitely God, you know, yeah. because it, it's such an awesome you know uh, concept. Not many people are doing that today. And
0: and one of the things that is awesome with it, Mm -hmm. like I know for me, when I started coming to the church, like I felt almost intimidated to share things Mm -hmm. because what would my friends think? What would people Mm -hmm. around me think of me sharing this stuff? But it's one of the reasons that we here at Boomerang started having life groups. You know, Mm -hmm. there's Stigmas that unfortunately have been associated with the church. But what we want more than anything is for people to connect to the genuineness of who yeah. Jesus is, yeah. to yeah. the reality of who he is. So in these segments, whether they're funny, whether they're spiritual, and it's going to be both, what people are going to see is a reality of who God is mm-hmm. through and through. Right. They're going to see us laughing and doing life together and being mm-hmm. funny, but then they're also going to have these spiritual nuggets. Of are able to entice them to the word Mm -hmm. and guards that maybe their hearts have put up over time because they've seen people not be real, not have power to back up the words that they're saying, they're going to be able to connect with the gospel, not necessarily to us. Like, we love y'all and we want to connect with y'all. But at the end of the day, you're watching right now because you're hungry. We want to be the appetizer that causes people to be hungry. We yeah. want to point them yeah. to the feast, which is Jesus. And that's mm-hmm. what you guys are allowing us to do. And it's what the Lord's allowing us to do. So just thank you for being a part of this. Yeah, with us. amen.
3: Amen. Hey, Pastor Matthew, good to see you, man. I saw you uh, jump on the broadcast. Uh, one thing I'd like to say, too, is with the new format, it really puts a tool in your hand to mm-hmm. help share the gospel yeah. where you can you know, trust the content and trust that it's going to be fun for people. So it puts a tool for you to be able to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. But then also, for the people that are hungry, there will also be yeah. segments for that to grow up and beyond. Mm-hmm. So we just, uh, the Lord's given us a vision. He's He's shown us how to do it, and we're excited about it. And we want you to be excited about it, Amen. too. That will start Monday, 1145. It'll be lunch plus. Amen. And uh, we're excited about it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Share the broadcast if you haven't done it already, and uh, do y'all have anything else?
1: No, sir. All right.
3: Happy anniversary to you guys. Thank Thank you. Thank y'all for being here. That's awesome. So, Amen. Let's jump in today. We're talking about the man who would be king, and we're talking about uh, any person who would be a leader, the king of a country, uh, the president of a country, the man who would be king, uh, the person who would be a servant leader, a Sunday school teacher, a shift supervisor, a manager, uh, any of the five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Every Christian is called to be a disciple maker. That means that they are leading somebody in a discipline towards Jesus. And so if you're called to be a Christian, which everyone is, if you are a Christian, uh, then you are called to be a leader. And that so that applies to everybody. So anybody that uh, is listening to this has a call on their life to be a leader. But here's the issue. Many people are called in to be a leader in the world, but very few people actually do it well. And part of that reason is, We haven't studied to show ourselves approved. Um, One of the things that I found uh, was I, as a pastor, was very much uh, not interested in bringing a secular. Thinking into the church organization, I think that that could be very dangerous. So I stayed away from any type of like corporate leadership stuff like that. Well, the Lord supernaturally connected me uh, with Pastor J. B. Whitfield, and then he connected me uh, with Pastor Chris Dicaccia. And these two men have been completely instrumental in the ministry here and changed it. Matter of fact, recently uh, we were meeting, and uh, he said. You don't realize it, but you're doing the work of a church 10 times your size. In other words, our leadership, what we had applied. Took us. Uh, they were teaching some leadership principles and skills, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. But what we learned took us to the place where we were doing so much more than many churches our size. To give you an example of that, uh, even this year, even with the lockdown, we've already had f- over fourteen hundred commitments to Christ, and that would be in uh, in the lockdown for two solid months. So uh, we've been doing the work, and that's good. Now, we might have been overworking some of that, and we had to back off of some of that. Amen. Buddy said, praise God. That's right. Uh, So one of the things that happened, though, when I met these men and the Lord introduced me supernaturally, one of the things was they were teaching on biblical leadership. Because I wasn't really interested if just the world had a good idea. That's great, that's nice, but I need it from the Lord. And so what I found was that the things in the world that are working, you know all of your success coaches, all of your life coaches... All of, all of your success speakers, all of these people, the things that work for them are things that are rooted in what God said. And so what I started to see was all of this corporate leadership that actually worked, that wasn't just a band-aid, but it actually fixed the problems and took them to a new level. It was based on some biblical truth that God had given. And so we needed to grow in that leadership. What I found with us, is we were called to a ministry, we were called to start a church, and uh, we felt like if we lift up Jesus, you know, people are just going to flock to the church, and they'll be hungry for him. He'll draw them into him. And we had a fire of God. We were seeing the fruit. We're seeing souls saved. We're seeing people healed. We're seeing them delivered. And I thought, man, this is going to we, you know, we're just going to go and do this work, and it's going to be awesome. And it didn't turn out that way. We needed to study in leadership. That was a piece that was missing. And truly, here's what I had to understand. When I started finding in the Word, I went and spent about four or five hours with Pastor Chris DiCiacio, and he he went through what was called a leadership basic training. And basically what he did is he gave several different concepts of leadership, and then he went to the Scripture where they were all founded, and he showed each one where they were founded. I saw Scripture after Scripture after Scripture about the leadership of God. At the end of that meeting... I had to get on my knees and repent to the Lord because I realized this is scripture that I have not been preaching. This is scripture. As a pastor, I have not been teaching. But here's the thing. Many people are called, but they don't give themselves to study the principles and the ways of God. And because they don't do that, they're not ready to be the leader. So God can't send them people to lead because they're not prepared to lead them. And as a believer, as Christians, we should be walking in the place where we are walking in true leadership, where we are understanding the leadership principles of the word and we're growing in that. And so this series, I think we're on part 43 or something like that. Um, This series has been a dive into the leadership principles of God and looking at these kings, the man who would be king. We're looking at... King Saul. We're looking at King David, and we're seeing what made them prosperous, and what mistakes did they make, so that we can grow in this leadership. and And just say this. Uh, put this in the comments, please, right now. Say, I need to grow. In biblical leadership, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done before, I'm telling you myself, I need to grow in biblical leadership. I need to grow in biblical leadership. Drop that in the comments. I need to grow in biblical leadership. So yesterday we were in 2 Samuel chapter 2, and what you'll see here in 2 Samuel chapter 2, we were talking yesterday uh, almost the whole day about humility. And what had happened is Saul has now been killed. David has been made the king, not over all of Israel, but over Judah. And then uh, they made Ishbosheth, which was a son of Saul, they made him the king over Israel. Excuse me. And, uh, Abner did that. Abner had been kind of like, uh, Saul's right hand man. And he had made, uh, the son, uh, this now king over Israel. Now, it doesn't look like, you know, there was already a king that was anointed by God. To be over Israel, that was David. So we can see that Abner's Abner's move is not a good one. It's not, he didn't seek the Lord on it. It was probably a power move, probably just worldly thinking. That's what traps so many people, is just worldly thinking. But now you have these two kings, and uh, then let's start in verse 12. 2 Samuel 2 and verse 12. Now Abner, the son of Ner, went out from Mananim... To Gibeon with the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul. And Joab, the son of Zerariah, and the servants of David went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down one on one side of the pool and one on the other side of the pool. Then Abner said to Joab, let the young men arise and hold a contest before us. And Joab said, let them arise. So they arose and went over by count, twelve for Benjamin and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and the twelve servants of David. Each one of them seized his opponent by the head and thrust his sword into his opponent's side. So they fell down together. And that place was called Helkath Hazurim, which is in Gibeon. And it says, verse 17, That day the battle was very severe. And Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. Now, one of the things I want you to see here is David is not there. Ishbosheth is not there. These are just his right-hand men. Many times I've found when uh, somebody who's not the leader or somebody who's in, who is a leader but not the main person, like in other words, the, the two kings were not here and all of a sudden it's like they want to prove themselves instead of being in humility they start moving in pride they start moving in this place and they think that they are um they think that they need to prove themselves to somebody else maybe to their king to their leader they need to prove and they'll start thinking worldly like how do i do this so here you have these two men coming together They're like hey let's get together let's talk And uh, we'll come over here. Basically, we are brothers, even though we have two different kings. We're brothers. Let's talk. But then they get into the midst of it. And these two guys, they don't have an authority to hold on like they think they do. This is a big key uh, for people who are in leadership. Understand when you are the authority and when you're not. Please put that in the comments. Understand when you are in authority and when you are not. Also, another thing to see and understand is that some things that may work when you're with your leader, the authority, won't work the same way when you're not there. They have an ability. uh, So this happens a lot of times when you have young ministers that will come to a church uh, to minister. They will sense uh the anointing that's going on many times. So let's say that uh, I'm getting ready to preach and uh, I'm getting ready to preach. I'm getting ready to flow in the anointing. And let's say that a young minister comes and uh, I tell them to come say hello. And so uh, I don't think we've really seen this, but maybe once or twice, but it hasn't been recently. But uh I've seen it many times on bigger platforms and bigger, bigger uh, uh, names and bigger anointings. I've, seen, I've watched it many, many times. So what will happen is uh, the, the older or the elder minister will invite the younger minister up. The younger minister will step up and they'll step into the anointing that's there because of the authority, because of the head leader that's there. They then, they sense the anointing, but here's where they make the mistake. They think it's theirs. They think it's God anointing them and they don't, they don't discern the situation and they, they think that now they're supposed to run with that anointing when all they were supposed to do was sense it, say a couple words and hand it back to the person that actually had that anointing. I've watched that so many times, and, and many young ministers will not discern this. This is somewhat what happened here at this pool, is I believe these guys, they thought that some of the good things that they were able to do was their doing and not the mercy of God. And we have to see that God will be merciful, and He will let you taste of certain things. To give you a great example of this, uh, one a uh, few years ago, I've I've... Just a couple of times operated in uh, discerning of spirits. Now, if not doing a full teaching on discerning of spirits, but discerning of spirits is basically when you see into the spiritual realm. So, for instance, when Elisha's uh, servant was scared, and then Elisha said, There's more with us than are with against us. And then he said, Lord, open his eyes to see. And his servant opened his eyes and could see all the angels in the mountains. Uh, that was discerning of spirits. Uh, so you see that gift in operation even in the Old Testament. Well, I've only had that a, a couple of times, two very specifically. Uh, well, I've had it I've had it a few times now, actually. There was another time uh, that I saw it. But one of the things that I noticed was the first time that it ever happened was when I was with my spiritual father, uh, one of my spiritual fathers, uh, Tracy Harris, And uh, we were praying for somebody after a meeting in Texas. And uh, when he prayed, this person came up to pray for, I believe it was cancer. And uh, uh, Brother Tracy prayed for him. The man uh, fell out on the ground. And while I was looking at the man, uh, I saw he looked gray to me, like black and white, gray. Uh, Maybe if there was any color, it was like a sepia type tone. And I saw what looked like a sheet lift up out of him. And when that sheet came out of him, he was no longer sepia. I was seeing in the spirit. And I'll I'll tell you what it was. But I was seeing in the spirit. All of a sudden, I saw he had full color again. And I instantly knew, I instantly knew what I saw coming up out of him was a spirit of death that was trying to cling to him. And so I knew, and I was able to give him that testimony, that spirit of death has been removed from your life. That spirit of death is now gone. And it was the most interesting thing, but I saw it with my eyes. I could see spiritually what was happening. Uh, Another, not long after that, Uh, I had another time where I was praying over somebody and literally right in front of my face, their face changed and I was able to see uh, what the Lord wanted to do and how uh, he wanted to redeem them. And I've had a couple other instances like this. This is discerning the spirits. Here's what I want you to see. That never happened in my life before until I was under the anointing of my spiritual father. And so when I got under that anointing of the spiritual father, what looks like it's, oh, look, it happened through me. Listen, it wasn't just through me. It was because of his impartation and because I was around him. And actually, another time that it happened, I was around him again. In other words, now it's coming to life. It's activating in my ministry and in my life more often, but it activated because I was around him and it was his anointing that kick-started it for me. It wasn't my anointing. It was his anointing. And so many times uh, you'll see that leaders will try to assume an authority that's not theirs. And when they do, they actually get into a place where they're working against the flow of the Spirit. They can grieve the Spirit. You don't want to do that. And so it's good for us to understand who's in authority. So here you have two of these leaders who feel like they're in, I mean, they're pretty powerful men. Uh, many times, uh, buddy put it on there, many times leaders will try to assume an authority that's not theirs. These men, these men are, uh, we just heard a story last week about it, but these men are pretty powerful men in the kingdom. They're. I mean, they're powerful men. They're like the right hand men, leaders of the armies of David and Saul. That's who, they, that's who they are. They're powerful men. But here they try and come together like they're carrying the authority of both kings. And in a sense, they are, but they're not. Uh, yeah, they're, they speak for the kings, but not on the level that they probably think they are. And I think they made a misjudgment here uh, by saying, by trying to do something out of line. Uh, just... Um, Uh, This past week, when we were at the ministers conference with uh, Tracy Harris over in uh, Texarkana, there was a good friend of mine, actually, a guy that we partner with for most of our adult life, uh, John Smithwick. Uh, He and I have known each other for a long time, back since uh, 2001 or 2002. And so we've we've given into his ministry, sold into him. He's winning millions of souls. Such a great ministry. But he was talking about being on the being on the mission field, and I think uh, it was Bangladesh maybe that they were at. Anyway, they were about to preach, and this huge storm comes up, and uh, the guy that's up there is a young minister. And he, you know, he's trying to step out in faith, and so he starts speaking against that storm and coming against that storm uh up on the platform. Instantly John is the head man there, and John's the one in authority. And the Lord speaks to me, he says, He's not in authority. You are. And and John knew instantly just to raise his hand in authority like Moses raised the rod of, of God over that sea. He raised his hand. He said, the moment I raise my hand, it's like the clouds rolled back and there was no more rain. We have to understand who's in authority. And if we make that mistake or we try to be the authority like they were, uh, many times we can step into presumption and mess up. But then there's a time where you recognize there is a time that you say, the Lord has put me in this position. And and I, it's better, I would say, for the Lord to have to catch you up than it is to get out in front of them. Uh, I always think of... Uh, kind of like a, a piece of thread or a spaghetti noodle. You know, If you take a piece of thread and you pull it, it will stay straight. But if you try to push it, it's just going to curl up on you and you're not going to get it to go where you want it to go. Let the Lord lead you. Don't get out in front of Him. And so what happens here is bad. This is definitely the theme of today. Don't get in front of God. Don't get in front of God. Please put that in the comments. Everybody, please put it in there. Don't get in front. I won't even put it, make it personal. I will not get in front of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Barrett said this, God has an order of authority. Just because he speaks or reveals things to you doesn't mean that you are to reveal it. Talk to your spiritual authority before moving. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's very good advice. All of us have learned it if you've had uh, much experience in the Lord. All right, so now watch what happens, and then we're going to come back to this same uh, same thing. He said, so they went into battle. Now the three sons of Zeruiah were there, Joab and Abishai and uh, Asahel. And Asahel was as swift-footed as one of the gazelles, which is in the field. So... Listen to this. Three sons of Zeruiah, Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. So, Joab and Asahel were brothers. Remember, Joab is David's right hand man and the commander of his army, and Abner is the commander of what was Saul's army, now Ishbosheth. And he says, okay, verse 19 Asahel pursued Abner. So, the brother of Joab. Who was very quick, very fast, fast runner? He starts pursuing Abner, the son or the, the commander of Ishbosheth's armies. So I want you to think about this. And uh, today, think what he's probably thinking: I'm going to take out that. I'm going to take out that general, and I'll be known. I'll be. I'll be promoted. I will be. I will be special. Right? See, this is worldly thinking. I'm going to take him out. Now watch what happens. He says, Asahel pursued Abner and did not turn to the right or to the left from following Abner. Now remember, he's very quick. He's fast. He's going to catch him. Verse 20, Then Abner looked behind him and said, Is that you, Asahel? And he answered, It is I. So Abner said to him, Turn to your right or to your left Take hold of one of the young men for yourself and take for yourself his spoil. But Asahel was not willing to turn aside from following him. Then Abner, verse 22, Abner repeated again to Asahel, Turn aside from following me. Now watch this. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I lift up my face to your brother Joab? How could I lift up my face? You see, now Abner is sitting here. He's trying to say, look, Abner is a general. And yeah, they might have made a mistake, but he's still a powerful man. This is a battle-hardened man. This is a man that's seen many battles. He knows what he's doing. And now... Asahel is trying to take an advantage because he's quick. He's, he's probably trying to uh you know make a name for himself. He's probably saying, hey, look, I can finish this real quick. Remember that none of this, none of this story started out with anybody seeking the counsel of the Lord. And I want you to see, I've said this for many years. You always need to pay attention to people of resolve. Understand who's walking in resolve and who's not. A good leader will recognize resolve in people. A good leader will recognize resolve in people. I've I've said this for years. Don't give me the most highly qualified. Give me the person with the most heart. Because the person who has the most heart will get it done at all costs. Whereas the person who's highly qualified a lot of times will find reasons not to. A good leader will recognize resolve in people. Now, see, here, Abner recognizes Asahel's not going to give up. He's not going to give up. So he's trying to uh, fend off that and turn it a different direction so it didn't end bad for either one of them. Both of them are men of resolve. But you have to see this. Abner understands. Listen, Asahel, I'm not going to play with you. If you come and try to kill me, and listen to what he says. He says, uh, he says, turn to your right or left. He says, why should I strike you to the ground? You know, in other words, I'm going to kill you, and you will die. Now, I haven't seen this. Now, watch, watch what Asahel does, though. He says this, verse 23, However, he refused to turn aside. He refused to turn aside. So what was going on? Asahel's thinking, no, I'm going to win. I've got you. I'm going to win. I've got you. Abner, you don't have me. He should have recognized the resolve in Abner. There are certain times where you need to recognize, all right, this person's not going to relent. And there's a different way to do this. There's a different way to go. And you're going to find out this was a horrible decision, of course, for him. Because you have a battle-hardened general, and although they might not have been operating under the right authority, he still has some. He's got more than Asahel does. And watch. And and instead of turning aside, looking for things of peace, and I'm going to take you to a scripture here in a second that I think really will help a lot of people. He says, uh, however he refused, verse 23, he refused to turn aside, therefore... Abner struck him in the belly with the butt end of the spear so that the spear came out his back. This is not talking about the pointy side of the spear. We're talking about the dull side. This is ugly. And Abner wasn't playing and he tried to warn him. You know, Abner's not perfectly innocent in all of this. But he's still not to be played with either. This is a battle-hardened man with resolve. And he even tried to warn him. And it says, the spear came out of his back. He fell there and died on the spot. And it came about that all who came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died stood still. I hate this. I hate stories like this. This did not have to happen. What do you think? I mean, imagine, think about this. What was going through Asahel's mind once that spear went through his body? I have made a mistake. I have made a bad judgment, and now I'm going to pay for it with my life. I hate that. I don't, and see, I've seen many ministers who are too. Uh, even, even elder ministers, I've seen them do this, who are, feel so zealous over something, they don't understand the timing of God. So, And it goes back to what Barrett said earlier. Just because God reveals something to you doesn't mean that it's time to share it. It doesn't mean that it's time to do it. You've got to hear two things when you have the leading of God. Number, number one, what to do. Two, you need to know when to do that. When to do it. Do I do that now or do I pray about it now? Because many times the Lord tells us uh, things to do and they're down the road and our job at this point, he's telling us so that we'll pray towards that thing so that when he says, okay, now, then everything is worked out. The road is smooth. All the paths are out of the way. All the traps are cleared out because we've been praying in the Holy Ghost. A good leader knows what to do and when. A good leader knows what to do and when. And here's Asahel. You imagine in those moments what's going through his mind. I have made a misjudgment. And that misjudgment, because he was playing around with somebody of resolve, it cost him his life. Let let me just tell you something. The devil is... Amen. Kevin says, eagerness to move can take you out. And, And this is not something to get in fear over. When you have the word of the Lord... You always win. If you will be obedient to the word of the Lord, you always win. The devil is a defeated foe. But let me tell you, the Bible itself says in John 10, 10, he comes only, only to do three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. He is of resolve. He's not trying uh, to just cause a little stumbling in your path. He's trying to kill you. right? He is trying to kill you. And now, is that something that we have to fear? Not in the least. But we do have to be reverent over the leading of God. That's what I'm getting at. We need to make sure that we've heard from the Lord. I cannot tell you how many good people I've seen make a judgment call like Asahel, and it killed their ministry. It killed their ministry. They go and they, they start uh, going after some of these principalities at the wrong time, thinking that they can just waltz in there and they're not prayed up. They haven't prayed and fasted. They hadn't heard from God to go. And their ministry, and they fall and all of a sudden their ministry is at a totally uh, non-existent level because they made the same. They went up against somebody with resolve without hearing from the Lord to do it. Maybe they heard that they were supposed to do it later, but now wasn't the time. It's very important, and this is why it's so important for us to have an authority in our lives, a spiritual authority in our lives that helps us to know what to do and when. All right. Now, before we go on any further, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 11. Because I'm going to give you something that I... This is one of those scriptures to me... Uh, that is probably one of the most misquoted uh, ever. And let me say this first. So the scripture that we're going to talk about is the scripture that says, um, uh, the violent take it by force. We're going to talk about that scripture. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So most people will take that scripture and they preach it, along the lines of, we got to just go out and take this thing from Satan. That's true. That is true. And we do have to take it. And when God gives us a word, then we utilize that word and we will always win. But that doesn't mean that you just go out there doing whatever you feel like to do. That doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean that whatever comes in your mind, just go do it. Right. That doesn't mean that. What it means is what God has put in your heart and he's, put it, he's written it in your heart. That's what you do when He tells you to do it. Like, for example, God's given me a lot of things in my heart, but I know the timing is not right now. They're coming. I can see them. He's, he's counted me responsible enough and mature enough to show me some things that are coming. So that I can begin to pray about it so that when I get there, it's not a five or ten year struggle. I just step into it, right? This is what he wants to do with each person. But many people out of pride and a lack of humility, they just assume that as soon as they see it, it's theirs to go do. And then they, they struggle for years and years and years instead of letting the Lord build the house. Uh, so one of the things that I saw, this was so good, I'll tell you about one of my mistakes. Um, One of the things that I saw, I was studying on uh, the will of God, and I was studying on, let me see what Kevin said, violence is focused and bold, but not ill-timed. That's a great word, great word. Violence is focused and bold, but not ill-timed. Exactly. The word definitely tells us to be violent with the kingdom of darkness and to take it. Uh, Faith takes things. But you have to, faith moves, hear this, faith only moves at the word of God. Faith only moves at the word. That's the rhema word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the right now, on time, alive word where God has spoken to you and something has come alive to you. That's what faith moves on, not just because it's a good idea or good logic. And so I was studying about... Um, I was studying about uh, just looking at uh, God's will and the authority of man. So what authority do we have? And uh, the believer's authority. I was studying on that, meditating on that. And one of the things that I came to, and this was a mistake. This is not what you should do. One of the things I came to is when Jesus walked on the water and... uh, I was studying that out, and I was looking at it when he comes to the disciples on the sea. I could not see any reason uh, that Jesus walked on the water except that he just wanted to. I just look, I just, as I'm reading, I'm like, it just looks like he wanted to. And I was starting to take that as a doctrine that, Lord, if I just set myself on and I, I want to do something in the believer's authority, I can just go get it. Praise God, I got a pastor. <laughs> I went to my pastor and I shared this great revelation with him. And in about two minutes he said, well, what about the scripture that basically shows us that Jesus only did what he saw the Father do? That's a great question, Pastor, and uh, so glad you brought that up. And he just... Blew apart my little revelation in about two minutes. <laughs> and I and praise God, you know, I'd gotten to the point where I could receive that because I was like, I don't have to look any further. That revelation's null and void because it contradicts what Jesus... He saw the Father. The Father told him to do that or else he wouldn't have been out there. He only moved at the Word of God. I've seen people, they'll just say, lay hands on everybody. Jesus didn't do that. And even at, in John chapter 5, at the, the pools where everybody was sick, it, it appears he just walked over every other person and went straight to that one. Why would he do that? Because God told him to do that. The man who was crippled at the gate that, that Peter and John uh, raised up on that day. Arise and he grabbed him and took him by the arm and he leaping and walking or jumping and leaping and praising God after he'd been healed. He'd been lame for 40 years. Jesus walked past that guy. He'd been through that gate. He walked past him. Why didn't he heal him? Because he didn't have leading to do it that day. We must have leading from the Lord. That's what the power is on. That's what the anointing is on. Now, that's one ditch is people will try to do too much and be too violent when God didn't say it. The other ditch is they'll never do anything. They're never believing God. See, as I'm, I'm looking around and in my prayer time, I'm seeking, Lord, what do you want me to do today? How do you, how can, who can be in my path that I can minister to today? Who is it that I can lay my hands on and see healing today? I don't just do it on everybody that I pass, but I am looking, I am seeking, Lord, how can we release your anointing today? And when he says to do it, I'll do it, and then it works. And if he doesn't say to do it, and I do it anyway, it generally doesn't work. Sometimes there's a mercy on that on that person, and, and it works that way, but most of the time I've got to hear from the Lord, and, and this Here's why most people don't think that this is a good way because their relationship with the Lord is not strong enough where they trust that they can hear from Him. So they just think they got to do whatever comes in their brain and because their relationship's not. I trust the Lord to get my attention. I trust Him to speak to me, to say something, to do something, to you know, be, be something to somebody, to pray for somebody. I trust him to tell me, even just, you know, uh, in the last couple of days, I had a couple of things. Uh, actually, uh, I think it was two days ago, I was somebody I hadn't talked to in several months. They were on my heart. I was praying for him in the Holy Ghost. I reached out to him and I said, hey, I'm praying for you right now. And, and they sent me a text back. They said, do you know what's going on? I said, no. They said, I'm out of town. I just completely totaled my car. Thank you for praying for me. Now, how would I know that? I didn't. God did. Uh, this is where we're supposed to have relationships so that it's like that. Many times in services on Sunday, people are like, Pastor, get the microphone out of my house. You're like talking directly to my situation. I don't know that. God knows that. We just have to be in tune with the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we had, the Lord started telling me, I had a series. We're doing a series. It's time for an awakening. And uh, getting ready to wrap that up. But I was getting ready to preach this message. The Lord said, nope, don't preach that. I could feel it at the beginning of the service. Something's different. He said, preach about taking your thoughts captive. I had no idea. When I asked people, it was like 80 or 90%. They had a major struggle going on in their thoughts that day. And that next week was a major attacks against people's minds. And because we preached an on-time word because of a good relationship with God, they had the exact spiritual tools that they needed uh, to, to go against the devil in his uh, attack to try and ruin their lives. He was trying to do multiple things. And see, a lot of times we look at it as just a small thing, but these small things were actually adding up to be very big things, completely life-changing, stealing, killing, and destroying, but it looked small. And had I not preached that message that day, they might not have had the own time Weapons and be encouraged in those and reminded of those weapons to come against the devil that day. This is why I trust him. I need a relationship and I need to hear from him and not assume things, but I just I hear from. I got my ears open for the Holy Spirit to give me correction and redirection or give me uh, an instruction at any time. Instruction, correction, redirection. Anytime Uh, my ears are always open And you can put that in the comments. A good leader is always open to God's instruction, correction, and redirection. A good leader is, put it always, all caps, a good leader is always open to God's instruction, correction, and redirection. Amen. Glory to God. So I want you to see this. Um, looking in Matthew chapter 11. So see, Asahel now, he's, he's died because he made a wrong decision. What's he trying to do? He's trying to violently take by force uh, the kingdom. He's trying, to, he's trying to do this. It did not work out well for him. He went against the wrong person. Hey, Caleb, good to see you. Um, then you see this in Matthew 11 and verse 7. It says, as these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. This is what I want you to see. What's happening here in this verse, it's not that we don't take some things by violence, but what we take by force and violently from the devil is what the Lord has told us. Not just whatever we think. Not just whatever we think. What the Lord has told us to do. Alright, so then... Uh, Because God may have that, you know, let's say that I wanted to violently take a property by force. What if that's not my property? What if it's not mine? What if if that's actually for another ministry in God's plan and I'm going to get myself in the way? I don't want to do that. It's not my job to do that. And so what you're going to see in this chapter right here is that everything Jesus shows is that there's a shift happening right now. There's a change happening. You've been doing it. Watch watch for this as we read these scriptures. You've been doing it this way. You've been doing it this way. And now the kingdom's going to operate this way. All right. So he says this, verse 7. As these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John the Baptist. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written behold i send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you so what jesus is saying you know did you go out there just to see a man no what was drawing you the lord was drawing you out here this was more than a man this was more than than just a prophet he says this this was a move of god and you may have thought that you were just going to go see a man in soft clothes. Now, you'll find those in palaces. This was something else. This was a spiritual manifestation of the will of God operating through a man. This was something special, all right? And, and I want you to see this. In other words, don't have a lack of esteem for a minister or a preacher of the Word of God. If a preacher is following the will of God, there's more happening than just words being spoken. That's, That's part of what Jesus is getting them to see. Verse 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. All right, so there's, your sh- there's the transition right there. John the Baptist, among women, among uh, women and men born of women, he's the greatest that's ever been. Wow, what a statement. I mean, you go all the way from Genesis to Matthew 11 and Jesus makes a statement, he's the greatest. This is amazing. But then he says this, now's the, the transition, now's the shift, but, The least in the kingdom is greater than he is. Oh, so we're talking about something different now. Now we're talking about a shift. Now watch this. Something has changed. And as you continue to read the chapter, it goes the same way. He says, but but the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now. Now watch, he's putting putting a marker in the timeline. He's putting until now. All these days until right now. In other words, right now something's changing. He says, from from that time until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. Let me me read this in uh, a couple other translations here. So Matthew 11 and verse 12, let me read it in the New Living. It says, From the time of John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Let me read it in the message. I think this is... Well, here you go. Listen to this in the message. For a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. For a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. Now, here's the uh, uh, Amplified. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom assault with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. And watch what he's saying here. What he's saying is this, is that many times, in up until this moment, the kingdom of God, people have been trying to go after it by means of a physical force. They've been trying to do things logically and physically and take it. But we know from the full counsel of the word, as soon as Jesus comes on the scene, he started preaching, the kingdom is now. In other words, you're waiting for the kingdom. And he's saying, the kingdom is now. It's within you right the kingdom is now but he's saying this kingdom doesn't operate by physical force it doesn't operate by the uh, sacrifices and it doesn't operate by that anymore it operate you're trying you've been trying to do it all physically and all of these physical actions and now there's been a shift because watch what happens when we were made a new creation everything changes about our nature and now what we used to do only by physical, now it's a spiritual operation of the kingdom. You're expecting, and Jesus is saying, you're expecting some king of God to come in on a white horse, throw back Rome and every other people, and physically establish a kingdom. But he's saying, that's not how it is. The kingdom is now, and the kingdom is within you. It's already here. I prayed and the heavens opened up when I was baptized, Jesus is saying, and now it has come to you. And he's saying, how you used to operate is not going to operate anymore. Matter of fact, let me tell you, man, John the Baptist is great. John the Baptist is awesome. But the least in the kingdom is greater than he. If, watch in context if they'll learn how to operate by the kingdom rules, if they'll learn how to operate in spiritual things. So keep on keep on reading verse 13. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So again, he's saying from then till now, there's a shift happening right here. But to what shall I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to the other children and say, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they said, Behold, a uh, gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds." Then he began to denounce the cities that what had not received by faith. What he's saying here is, here comes John. He didn't do anything wrong and you still talk bad about him. And, but now you have a kingdom that's received by faith. And this is why he makes the reference to the children. It's like children saying, hey, come, come play, come dance. But no, you're passing by with hardened hearts and you're not believing in what God's actually doing. You're not seeing how God has shifted this thing from uh, all of the prophets and all of the sacrifices into a kingdom of faith and spiritual things. There's a great type and shadow of this in the Old Testament when Moses comes to the rock for water. When the first time he comes by the rock, listen, the Lord speaks to him. What have we been talking about? Hearing from the Lord and not assuming anything, making sure that we hear and move only at what the Lord says. The first time they come to the rock, which is representative of Jesus, the Lord tells him, strike the rock and water living water will flow out and the water flowed out and it, all the people of God were were nourished by the living water that came out of the rock well Jesus goes to the cross and what happens he's struck he struck at the cross. He struck in that judgment. And living water flowed out of him in that way. But now it's, he's saying until now. There's a shift right now. Start applying it now in faith. Trust in God. Start applying your faith. The kingdom doesn't operate by a strike anymore. It doesn't operate by violence anymore. It operates by speaking and confessing the word and telling your mountain to move. And here's what happens. The next time Moses comes around to the rock... God says this, and this this is so important. God says this, he says, speak to the rock. Why? Because Moses was representing, he was a type and shadow of the two covenants. The first covenant and the second covenant. The first covenant was violent and by force, and the second covenant was by faith. The first covenant was by, by physical, the second covenant by faith. You're in a new covenant now. And so now what the word tells us is that this Christianity is a great profession of our faith. So when things come against us, we don't operate you know, by force and by physical anymore. We operate by faith. And we take on the character and nature of God made in His image and in His likeness who spoke and it was, who said light be and light was. And at the word of God we speak and by faith these things happen. And remember what Jesus said up until now. John the Baptist was the greatest born of women. But now the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. When Moses was told to speak to the rock, he didn't do it. He struck the rock. For the mercy of the people, water did flow. But Moses could now not go into the promised land. This is the thing that kept him out of the promised land. He didn't listen to what God told him to do. He tried to take it by force. He tried to do what he had done before instead of being obedient, listening for instruction, correction and redirection, he tried to take it by force. And when he took it by force, that, that disobedience uh, would not allow him to go into the promises of God. So as Christians now, we have to either operate by taking it by force, which is not going to work, or we have to operate by faith. And we speak to the mountain in the image and likeness of God. And when we do that, We'll move into the powerful things of God. We'll move into the promises of God. Healing, provision, deliverance, restoration, protection, the uh, intimate fellowship with God. We move it even in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It's a confession and a belief. This is the ways of the kingdom in this. But in order to confess, we have to believe. We have to confess. We have to hear the word of the Lord. We have to see the word of the Lord. We have to have the word of the Lord preached to us. We have to have the Holy Spirit speak us that, to us that rhema. We can't just make assumptions. We can't just make assumptions. I'll give you a good example of this. There was I talked about this a week or two ago. We were in a, in a situation where there was a, like a 13-year-old girl that had a demon and uh I took somebody with me. They were still fairly new at that process. Uh sure enough, this demon is manifesting in this little girl. And uh, I'm telling you the uh I'm I'm over two hundred pounds. Uh this guy I had with me is probably over three hundred, and this little thirteen year old girl was lifting us both up off the floor. It was supernatural. <laughs> and uh the guy that was with me made a mistake. And uh, I called it, I called it after a little while, but I, I didn't see it right away. But uh, he was trying to manhandle the girl, trying to just like physically hold her down. And it was like getting worse. It almost seemed like the devil was getting more powerful because he was trying to do it physically. And I was like, wait, what's going on here? And the Lord showed me what was happening. I said, no, I said, let her go. And you use your command authority in Jesus' name. You are bound. You can't do it. Immediately we took back authority. See, we were trying to operate in another authority that was not ours. In that physical realm, that's not where our authority is. Our authority is in hearing the voice of the Lord and operating by faith. And so as soon as we did that, it came in line. So as we're looking back at this chapter now, you see that Asahel is sitting there... And he's assuming, he's trying to take it by force. And it's a grave mistake. It goes on. Watch this. He says, once he falls to the ground and died. But Joab and Abishai pursued, verse 24, 2 Samuel 2, verse 24. Joab and Abishai, the brothers of Ashel, pursued Abner. And when the sun was going down, they came to the hill of Amah, and which is in front of Gia, by the way of wilderness of Gibeon. The sons of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner and became one band. And they stood on the top of a certain hill. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the end? How long will you refrain from telling the people to turn back from following their brothers. In other words, he's telling Joab. He says, "Joab, if we keep doing this, we're all going to kill each other." He said, "Don't let this be. How long are you going to stop from telling them? Yeah, look, you've got us beat, but it's going to be ugly. How long are you going to not tell them to turn back? We're we're brothers." Joab said, as God lives, if you had not spoken, surely then the people would have gone away in the morning, each from following his brother. In other words, what he's saying here is, we would have followed it to the end, and in the morning we would have gone away. Uh, that's, that's what he's meaning here. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the people halted and pursued Israel no longer, nor did they continue to fight anymore. So what did they do? They said, look, this is, this is not how we're supposed to handle this. This is the wrong way. Finally, you've got some godly wisdom that comes in and it stops other people from dying. But as it is, there's already 380 that, are, that died that day because of not listening to the Lord and not humbling themselves and not recognizing their authority. 29, Abner and his men then went through the Arabah that night All all that night, so they crossed the Jordan, walked on morning, and came to um, Mahanaim. And then it says, Then Joab returned from following Abner when he had had gathered all the people together. Nineteen of David's servants besides Asahel were missing. So there's twenty there. But the servants of David had struck down many of Benjamin and Abner's men so that three hundred and sixty men died. And they took up Asahel and buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. Then Joab and his men went all night until the day dawned at Hebron. So, what you see here is a couple of things. One of the things that you want to see is finally the word of the Lord, when they finally said, Look, this is not the way to do it, to go after this thing violently and take it by force, which is what they were trying to do. They were trying to operate in their authority that they didn't have. And it ends wrong. It ends bad because of that. It's important for a leader to recognize what authority they do have and what authority they don't have. And don't try to take more than what God has said. Just just be obedient to God. Let Let the Lord build your house. Let the Lord stretch your tent out. If you feel like you need to take ground, let the Lord do that. That doesn't mean that you won't do anything. It means that you'll only do what he tells you to do but don't sit there and go for 20 years and god hadn't told you to do anything that's not right either that means that your relationship you're not hearing what he's saying so if you're not doing anything then check your relationship and if you are doing anything Check your relationship. A good leader always is checking his relationship with God to make sure that the words that are coming in are good and fresh and right now and on time and that it is the Lord. And this is where it's good to have a good pastor, a good leader in your life, a good spiritual leader, a spiritual father, somebody who has oversight in your life that can help save you from things that you might not even see are happening. And so a good leader is always going to have that. I also want you to see at the very end there where the anointing was on David and his men. David and his men had killed 360, whereas they had only lost 20. Uh, If I did the math correctly, that's about 18 men to one uh, that had done. That's an anointing uh, that's on his men. And uh, Abner, see, now Abner's probably going, wow, did I miss it by uh, backing Saul's son. I should have probably backed David. Again, he didn't check with the Lord. It doesn't appear. And that eventually is going to cost him his life. And uh, so a good leader doesn't reach out and just grab a hold of stuff because he has a good uh, idea come through his head. Even if it's a good idea. Even if it's a God idea. He doesn't do it until he hears the God timing on it. I have plenty of God ideas that I haven't moved on because I knew the timing wasn't correct yet. And praise God that I had men of God uh, that I'm connected to that I could reach out to and say, hey, is this right? What, you know, it, what do you think about this? And I had a situation just last year. I heard from the Lord I was ready to go. I talked to Pastor J.B. Whitfield. He said, uh, you might want to consider this. I prayed about it and the Lord said, yeah, he's right. <laughs> and you're wrong. I was like, oh, okay. But I was ready to go, you know, I was ready to take it by force. And I know this lesson, but I was still, I like, I like uh, when the Lord gives me something to do to get on it. I just missed the timing of it. Uh, But that's where I needed confirmation of somebody that God has supernaturally connected in my life to make sure that I wasn't misjudging a situation. And I was able to hear that redirection from God and correction, and it saved me. So I pray right now. Lord, let everybody that's hearing this, let them put on leadership, put on only the authority that they have, only take things by force when you say, and Lord, let that intimate fellowship with with you be so alive and so correct. Let it be so connected, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord that this teaching today, it helped to bring alive some of the points and save people from stepping into the wrong thing at the wrong time. Thank you, Lord, that you it will continue to do that from here on out. For years to come, they will hear and do only what they see you do and hear you say. Thank you, Father, that you are leading and guiding. Thank you, Lord, that your leaders, Lord, thank you, Father, that your leaders that are hearing this today, they're going to another level. They will be very efficient and very productive. i just speak it now. Lord, may efficiency and productivity abound in the people that are hearing this message today. Thank you, Father. We take that by faith an efficiency, and a productivity. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 I love you. If you got something out of that today, just throw some hands up in the comments and or something. Something, and we love you. Uh, Again, always the broadcast is sown into your life, and it doesn't cost you a thing. We want to see you be who God wants you to be. If you would like to sow into the gospel, you're welcome to do that. Some people, the Lord has written that on their hearts. And uh, you can, if you're on Facebook, you can type in hashtag donate and the amount after it, or anybody can go to givebc.org and uh, you're welcome to sow into the gospel that way. But uh, we just praise God for you. I'm excited. You know, I'm looking at these, you know, that are just putting these things down here. Uh, Priscilla, thank you for sowing into the kingdom. That's awesome. You are such a, you have been such a um, persistent giver. And I just praise God for that. I'm looking at Serena, going to do great and mighty things. I am excited to see Caleb, to see what God's going to do through you. It's going to be awesome. Buddy, God is going to do great and mighty things through you. Barrett, Barrett, thank you for that uh, giving. Kevin, God's doing great and mighty things through you. Julie, God's doing great and mighty things through you right now. I'm excited to see these things come to pass. Thank you, Julie, uh, for that uh sewing. Kevin, thank you. Praise God. <laughs> Miss Barrett, amen. God's doing so many great things through you guys, and it's only just begun. It's the very beginning. Do you know how much the, the word says this, it's beyond all you can ask or think. I'm going to get to watch it happen, and I'm going to get to praise God with you as you have the victories, as the Lord leads you and guides you in that personal, intimate fellowship. You'll hear from Him, you'll be obedient to Him, you'll be strengthened by Him, and you will do great and mighty exploits in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We love you all so much. We hope you have a great, great day tomorrow, lunch plus, tomorrow at noon. Our last day starting at noon On Monday, it'll start at 1145, and we look forward to seeing you. It's going to be great. Have a great, great day. Bye-bye.